Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? It's good to see Josh struggling with the big issues in life, isn't it? About what to watch, what coffee to get. Those are the big issues that we're here to talk about today. (laughs) No, Um, I want to be today to start this series on on what now. I'm going to be a little bit more teachy than I normally am, a little bit different to to normal. Uh, Because I want to set up this series in in a way that I've felt uh, I've had a lot of conversations about over the last few years. In fact, I've had dozens of coffees and catch-ups with people that essentially come back to this question of like, well, what now? And, um, and so I want to help explain some things that I've learned uh, that have been very beneficial when I'm talking to other people, but it's also been very beneficial uh, for me in my life of determining, well, what is uh, in God's control? What is that I don't have any say in? There's plenty of things in life that it doesn't matter how much I try or how much I do anything, it's not going to change. I don't determine whether the earth is still spinning, uh, no matter what I want, that's God's will. Uh, But there are plenty of things that I get a say in of going, well, am I going to walk in the way that God actually wants me to? Uh, what, what, What should I be doing? What is suggested that I be doing? What is desirable or just nice that I do? And these kinds of things as a platform of what we'll discuss going forward in this month. Is that cool? It's a little bit, little bit of a teachy kind of stuff and, um, and hopefully I think it will equip some people here this morning in how to see God. In fact, every time that I've found myself that I've learned something new about God, I have uh, found I love Him a lot more and in a new way. Discovered something new about His character and something different about than what I ever knew before. I've found that I can worship a little bit differently because now I see a different view, a different glimpse of Him or, or a more completed uh, view of who He is. And so that's one part of what I'm hoping to help you guys with because I know that when I learnt and studied about, well, can you even know the will of God? Can we, is this something we can even find out? The more that I studied it, the more that I read through the Bible, the more I started looking at Jesus going, well, you are more impressive than I thought. Uh, and I want to come back to that and, and help you get to know God a little bit more. Is that cool? So I want to know what God's will for my life is. And usually this means uh, something into the future, doesn't it? We want to know what's a, a beyond the horizon, what's over there, where should I be going, what am I created for? And most of the time I've discovered people are asking, when they say, what's God's will for my life? They're usually asking, what job should I pursue? Yeah? Well, what should I be, what career should I go for? Or where should, where does God want me to get my paycheck? Where does he want that to come from? Is usually what we mean by, what is God's will for my life? And that is a big part because work makes up a big part of our life, doesn't it? And so, in fact, I'm going to separate that one out because I think that is such an important topic for us to look at it going, well, how do we determine what God is actually calling us to and his will for our life uh, in there? Because we've been given gifts that reveal these kinds of things, that we, our design actually reveals our destiny, doesn't it? That he doesn't, doesn't call you to be a worship leader, but tone deaf. Thank goodness for everyone else, right? That would be painful. But 
but he's given us certain gifts for things and passions for certain areas. And so we're going to make that its whole thing in a few weeks in this month of looking at, well, what is God's will for, for our work? Because there's a big purpose that's in each one of us that God wants to work through with what we actually do. Uh, and I think that's just amazing to know that God has a plan for us in, in how we go about our lives in that way. But most of the time we find out, I'll come back to this other idea of going, well, God, what do I do with the rest of my life? How do I do everything else? What is across the horizon? For me, some future fortune-telling picture is what I would like to know. Which way should I go? What is your will for me? Uh, And this is what I've heard thrown in. This is why I want to separate it and teach a little bit because when it comes to the idea of God's will, you might have said it or you've heard it, we, we get this range of things thrown in under one banner, don't we? From the idea that, is the sun going to come up? Well, that's up to God. All the way through to, I'm going to marry that girl because God said. And you're like, well, did he? And that girl's nervous <laughs> that you're in the same building. And, and God didn't say it to her, so like, who's wrong? And like, we go, really, is, is this the same category as something so big and out of our control as something so small that we do get to decide on? All the way through to like, well, well what, um, how many shoes should I buy this week, God? I'll let it be up to you until the pay wave stops, then it, then it ceases to be thy will. Yeah? But that's, that's not the same kind of thing. Uh, all the way through, this is a big one that I see happen quite a lot in Christian circles, is indecision. And we get to a point of indecision that we say, well, whatever happens, I'm going to leave it up to God and He can determine the outcome. And we, we pretty much relinquish the the, the responsibility of making a choice and put all the blame on God saying, well, whatever happens must be His will. Forgetting that other people can make their own decisions and that we've got an enemy as well. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus gives us the job description of the devil saying he comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I'm fascinated that we get surprised when he fulfills his job description. <laughs> We're just going, well, how come that went, that uh, should, wasn't it supposed to, I just left it up to God to decide. It's like, well, you might have left it up for someone to decide, but it, that's not who made that final decision. And so I want to look at here the differences that are between, that the Bible talks about in God's will. And how do we determine these things? And how do we know what is in God's control, holy and sovereignly, and what is something that we should probably start to focus and, and work on and put back onto our own responsibility? And the Bible is, talks about this constantly. This is where I want to teach from because in English, we've translated a whole bunch of words into one phrase, God's will. And so it actually, if you read it, it makes sense even in English because it's very contextual and it contextualizes depending on the situation. But in the original language, there are actually two Greek words in the New Testament uh, that, that differentiate between what's going on what God is actually talking about here. And between the two of those, there are several different nuances depending on, uh, on the context. And I won't go into it because it's just confusing for confusing sake, but it's actually quite simple. So I want to break down the kind of three big categories that we see in the Bible when it comes to going, well, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for the world? Is that cool? If I do that? So a lot of things are going to come flashing up on the notes and the media guys are going to be frantically keeping up with me, but... Let's have some fun with them, hey? So the first one out of the three is one that we have no control over. And these are, a lot smarter people came up with these words. These aren't um, 
This isn't my own doing. I am not cleverer enough to do this, all right? So the first one is called the decretive will of God. In other words, God has decreed something. He has declared it. He has said something. And there is no way to stop it. It is happening. You can do whatever you like. The enemy can do what he likes. Everyone can go do whatever they want. But God's will is happening. Final end of story. No negotiation. Big one is Genesis 1 verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And boom! Guess what? There was light. God didn't negotiate with the darkness going, Would you please permit some light? There was no kind of resistance in him going like, like trying to go to Super Saiyan to push through this light force field through the darkness. There was no battle going on. God said it, boom, end of story, there was light. No discussion, no kind of negotiation, no tricks and anything there. He didn't sneak up in the darkness and surprise it. No, he just spoke it and it happened, end of story. It's like the redemptive plan with Jesus. This was, the decree, this was his will that was never going to stop. That's why I think that this story is so amazing. No matter what the enemy threw at it, God was redeeming his children. He was coming back to restore relationship with us. It was a plan. There was nothing that was going to stop God from getting back to his people and bringing us back to him. I think that is amazing. The best news is the gospel is that God wanted us so bad that it was nothing could stop it. How good is that? But it wasn't by trial and error. The Old Testament isn't a story of God trying to figure it out and then landed on Jesus and went, well, this could work. No, it was a decree. It was going to happen no matter what. It, it wasn't something that he just took an opportunity with going, oh my goodness, this Jesus guy's dying. This could be a really good opportunity for me to do what I've been meaning to get around to. No, this was what he willed. This was a decretive will of God. Nothing could prevent it. And we see this regularly through the Bible when Jesus starts speaking aligned with God's will as well. It gives us a great kind of example of what, what, what we can, we kind of peek into what we should be like when we pray. That when we're praying things that we know align with what God is after and what his will is in this world, we can have the same kind of authority that Jesus spoke with. He's not the exception in this area. He's actually our example in how to pray and how to walk through this life. So let's look at a number of verses here. These are some of my favourite prayers of Jesus. Are you ready? All right. Well, it doesn't matter. We're doing it anyway. But Mark 4 says this, He got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. What a prayer. Done. No amen. No father, just, I'm just coming. I think it's funny how yeah, we say just when we pray a lot, hey. But I'm just coming to just ask you and Lord, Father, that I have this, that, that, amen. No, he just said, be quiet, be still, I'm sleeping. And it goes on, it says, the wind died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, well, why are you scaredy cats? And he said, well, do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey when Jesus steps up in line with what the Father is wanting and says, be still. Even the wind goes, all right. There wasn't, he wasn't standing on the boat negotiating going, okay, waves, like if you calm down now, tomorrow I'll let you do it twice. It's not like a parent negotiating with a terrorist child. Going, okay, just leave you, do this. <laughs> Parenting advice was never negotiate with terrorists. 
<laughs> so, but this is not what Jesus was doing here. He wasn't negotiating, not convincing, just speaking and things changed. That's the decretive word of God. Matthew 8 says, A man with leprosy came and knelt down before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, said, I am willing. And here's the big epic prayer. Be clean. Leprosy stood no chance. He wasn't trying to sneak up on it or trick it. He just spoke it. Boom, things had changed. This is the authority that Jesus carried that he says, come on, I've given you this authority to speak in line with what God is saying to you. Come on, church, we need to get the muzzle off our mouth a little bit and start to speak again with a bit of authority, declaring, going, I know what God's will in this life is. I'm going to keep going. Oh, well, it didn't work here and this happened and, and I don't think that it always works. Well, that's fine. Let's keep moving forward because I know that next time, come on, God can. God can and He will. Nothing can stop when God speaks. Luke 4, it says, but Jesus rebuked him, which was a demon. He was having this big conversation, uh, saying, be quiet and come out of him. Again, not please. Wasn't begging, going, there are people watching. I'm trying to set something up right now. No, just spoke it. So it did, it came out. He couldn't resist. John 11, this is my, one of my favourite prayers of all time. It says, well, John eleven forty three. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. It's simple, isn't it? Lazarus was a dead friend of his in a, in a grave, all wrapped up. But this is what's interesting. He says, the dead man came out. Not the alive Lazarus came out. Didn't say Lazarus came back to life there. It says the dead man came out. He was all wrapped up. He, the, the linen around his head is roughly one to two feet thick. He couldn't breathe. There was lots of miracles going on here. This dead man came hopping out. And then he says, take off the grave clothes. And then boom, there's another miracle going on there. One commentator that I've read a fair bit of, he, I love his view on how powerful the Word of God is. And when Jesus speaks, things have to listen. His view on this was going, it's lucky or maybe intentional that Jesus named Lazarus specifically because the power in the Word of God is so much so that if he just said, come out of the grave, the whole grave would have been emptied. Everybody would have jumped out. How cool is that? is that Jesus could have just gone, well, no, no, actually, the rest of you go back. Sorry, just this is one. Sorry, just so powerful that when God says something, just one touch from God, all of a sudden the rules get broken. He goes, I don't have to work within the rules of what wind and wave does and what science says. I don't have to work within the rules of what is allowed physically and not allowed physically. I created the rules. So when I speak, I can, I can sovereignly come in and make things happen. Our God is so much greater and more powerful than we give Him credit for. And man, this is one reason why when we worship, we can just stand in awe going, God, You are so great that nothing can prevent you with what you are wanting to do. That nothing could stop you from bringing back your people to me. Nothing could stop this restoration, this miraculous power that is within you and within us. And God, I just want to worship You because You are bigger than I thought greater than I knew. And my understanding, I can't comprehend how big and how great you are. We just stand in awe. But one of the dangers that I see in Christians quite often is that we think everything happens, everything that happens must be due to the decretive will of God. We take indecision and we take our hands off the wheel. Oh, Jesus take the wheel. And we just take our hands off everything and go, well, whatever happens, like case sarah, sarah, what will be, will be, right? Whatever happens is supposed to happen. 
but knowing that, well, in fact, some things are our choice and some things the enemy is involved with. And we can come and go, why doesn't God just decree everything? Well, that's another story and another message. The sovereignty of God is one of those big, hairy issues. But what we do know is that when God speaks, when he does, anything can happen. When he's working through us, his people, come on, let's not take things off the table going, he probably can't do that because if God wants to do it, anything can happen. Nothing is out of limits. Nothing confines him. He says, no, when I speak, when I move, when I, when I breathe, when I touch a life, everything changes. All the rules can be broken. How good is our God, church? Come on, aren't you glad that this is who he is? We're not talking about a weakling. We're not talking about someone absent. We're not talking about a God who just kind of, well, we'll we'll see if the mood's right and if the spirit keys are playing in the right key and if the lighting's just perfect. And then, no, we're talking about a God who is above all of those things. Isn't that good news? I reckon it's good. The second one, after the decretive word, the unchangeable, all of a sudden we start getting into this This idea the Bible keeps talking about of going, here is God's will for you that you can actually do or not do. Here's God's will for your life. If you want to know what you're supposed to do today or in the future or something, he steps into this realm of going, this is something that is in your control. And it's called the perceptive will of God. The preceptive, precept is like his rule, his commandment, commission, all those types of things. Is, the, is essentially what I call a directive will of God, where he wants us to go. And sometimes we think that these rules or what God wants us to do is restrictive. But it's, it's similarly restrictive for me to ask my kids not to ride their bikes on the road. <laughs> there we go. They complain. going, Oh, dad is just taking away all of our freedom and all of our fun. And I want to do it. I go faster on the road. But they also, in what we call in our family, could turn into pancakes on the road. Do you want to be a pancake? They go, I don't want to be a pancake, Daddy. I'm like, well, get off the road. (laughs) Because the car will turn you into a pancake. Like, okay, all of a sudden, it's not restrictive anymore. It's actually quite freeing going, hey, if you want to prosper, little Judah, if you want to live free and happy and become all that, that you can be and get all the rewards and everything that I have as a loving father for you, that is found within the safety of our yard, not out on the road. And this is how we look at the things that God has told us to do. He said, hey, if you want to live and experience everything that I have for you, here's the way to do it. Because it's not found outside the will of God. It's in fact found inside the will of God. If you want to experience a good, healthy, loving, God-honoring relationship, here is how to do it. Don't have an affair. Don't be abusive. Don't say those kinds of things. In fact, be honoring and be loving and be filled with grace and talk in this way and be kind and all those types of things. You go, well, that's so restrictive. (laughs) No, it's not. That's the perceptive will of God saying, if you, you can grab a hold of everything that he has for you, and here is the way, here are the keys to do it. Jesus constantly said to his disciples, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. If you want to experience more of what, what heaven is like here on earth, well, here are the keys to unlock that. Come on, live within these kinds of ways. So examples that we know of is things like God's will is that we don't sin, we don't hate, steal, like lust, all those kinds of things, and yet... That happens. We are allowed to choose otherwise. And this is when I talk to people, usually, as I said, these, these coffees that I talk, this is where I tend to start because I think this is the one that is overlooked. While we are chasing a future thing, we often ignore the current thing. I call this the really boring but really important stuff. 
We're going, well, what is God actually asking me to do today? What is God asking me to do in the job that I don't like while I'm praying for the job that I want? Or I don't know where I'm supposed to be going, but I can determine where I am now. And God actually has a plan. There's a purpose with where I am right now. Of going, well, I remember him talking to me when I was looking at this kind of stuff years ago. And I said, oh, God, where should I be going? He said, don't, like, we'll sort that out later. Just be a better husband, hey? I'm like, oh, rough. I bet you just be a, like, where you are right now, your kids could do with a better father. I'm like, I'm not bad. He's like, yeah. <laughs> That's where you don't want God to be silent after that comment, hey? He's like, all right, let's you play with that one. But what, what, there's something for us here and now, one author I read, actually, when I, was, when I was researching all of this years ago, is pretty rough, but I like it. He says, uh, we seem to be more concerned with our horoscope than with our obedience. I was like, wow. So often I get lost in the whole, God, where is that destination over the horizon? And I need to not, not ignore that, but I also need to come back to saying, well, God, what am I to do today? In this mundane, in the small, in the unhappy, in the pain, in the, in the small conversations or in my actions or at my work or in my car or wherever it is, what, how can I be doing this in your way? Because I know you have a plan today. I know you have a purpose for me today. There's a great quote from Dallas Willard that I think has helped me to no end, really. It's great. It says, as a disciple, here it is, I'm learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live life if he were I. I'm not necessarily learning to do everything that he did, but I'm learning how to do everything I do in the manner in which he did all that he did. So he did everything quite intentionally, didn't he? That he was constantly going, well, God, how, how should I go into this conversation? How should I be in this moment? What should I act like here? Not, not relegating a spiritual moment for the end of the week or the beginning of the week or, or a small group, but just every day knowing that there is something in it for him to do. In fact, John 5, when uh, everyone's cranky at him for healing someone, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. Well, how could we learn to do everything we do in the nature that he does? It kind of has that WWJD feel to it, doesn't it? Did anyone have the bracelet? He had the bracelet, watch VeggieTales. You know, it was a good time. Tambourines were rife in the church and there was flags on the back wall and uh, King of Kings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it has that WWJD thing. I kind of try to bring it back of going, yeah, what would Jesus do if he were in this situation? But what also did Jesus ask me to do? And this is why I think it's important for us to take responsibility for our own personal relationship with Jesus and not hope that someone tells me within 30 minutes their revelation of it. Is get a personal kind of responsibility of knowing who it is. Because we might not know the inner workings of the mind of God, but we can know very clearly what the Word of God is, which will reveal the mind and the intention and the heart of God. And sometimes I think we neglect, we try to figure out the mind of God apart from the Word. But He's already told us so many things. So what if we came back to going, well, God, what are your precepts? What are your guidance? What's your directive will for me today? In the, in the position I'm in, as a father, as a son, as a husband, as, as a worker, as an employer or whatever it might be, how can I do what I'm doing, align with your will the best that I can? Because that is where I'm going to find prosperity, of favour, of blessing, all these things that, that come with knowing you and being under the Father's house. And one thing that I realised chatting to someone the other day, I've created a habit 
in this sense that, that might be unusual, but I, th- I hope that it catches on a little bit, is I might miss days where I've had intentional Bible reading time, which I'm not stoked about. I'm not proud of that one. Times where I'd miss intentional prayer time of setting aside this much time for God and talking to him. But one thing that I can't remember missing a day in for a long time is considering essentially this, the perceptive will of God. Lord, those thoughts that I was having before, that probably isn't what you want me to be thinking like, is it? Can you help me renew my mind that I might be transformed? God, the the things that I was saying over there, that's not healthy and that's not helpful, is it? The way that I'm acting right now, I need to change that, my attitudes, or I'm going into a meeting going, God, help me do this the way that you would want me to do it. Because I can be worried about tomorrow, and I could be worried about what the world's going to look like and my ministry in years' time, or what job I should be pursuing, or whatever could be coming in the future. But God, I know that you've got something for me here and today to do. And so I've been asking myself every morning for a long time now, going, God, today is your day. You've given me today. There's a purpose in it. Can you lead me today in the ways that you want me to live? Can you lead me into people's lives? Can you help me live as as the number of things that I am to do it in the way that you would want me to do it? These perceptive will, this, I don't want to step outside. I don't want to go play on the road. I want to play in where where I find blessing and favour and and the power of God, yeah? Yeah. I think so that's that one. Ephesians 2 verse 10, in fact, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Man, if we are created to do good things, if he's seen us and gone, look, there's a need in 2021, so I'm going to create you for that, that there's good works for us to do. How about we start on the foundational? How about we don't neglect the simple in pursuit of the complex? Don't, Don't neglect these things. Because they're not simplistic, they might just be simple and very important. Let's look at the foundational things of going, God, I want to be more like you, Jesus, as we go. This is where things like the Great Commission of making disciples falls. If you want to know the will of God for your life, this is usually my first question, going, how are you going making disciples? Oh, well, I don't feel called to that. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) So Jesus was quite clear on that one. This is where things that Jesus tells us about of how to love other people. No, no, I want to know where where my income's going to be coming from. No, no, well, God's actually asking you, how are you loving? How are you showing grace to others? This is the will of God for your life. I'll tell you that. When Jesus says, fear not, that's the will of God. So if I'm fearful, it's kind of going, God will help me come back and get rid of this fear. You've told me not to be fearful, so I need to work on this because I know that's not your will for me. So how do I break free from this? My thought life, Lord, renew my mind. My motivations, Lord, I want to be coming from the right place. Not a place of pride or of greed. Help me align up with what your will for my everyday is. And I think that's great news that, that even in the mundane that God has purpose. Even in the waiting for the exceedingly and the abundantly more, God says, well, while you're on the way, I've got a plan. And I've got a way to move forward. You don't just stand still and expect to be teleported into the future that God has for you. He says, actually, there's a way. There's keys to the kingdom. There's, there's steps to be taken. And I want to shape you, not only to get you to a place, but get you to become something brand new. Isn't that great? I think that's an awesome thing about Jesus is it's not just about destination. It's about transformation as well. And the third one, 
Real quickly, this is, this is where I'm actually going to spend a bit more time on this one in two weeks' time. It's called the God, uh, God's will of disposition. This is disposition, his feelings, his attitude towards us, what he wants for us just in general. And this is where I think we, we relegate a lot of decisions to him. But the Bible talks a lot about things that are pleasing in his sight and also things that grieve him. That they're not necessarily what you would label sin, so it falls outside of a perceptive will. It's, it's something that you can determine, so it's not a decretive will of God that, that we wouldn't be able to decide. But this is something that he looks fondly, wants the best for us. It's often where we run up into conversation with God and find little answers, things like, what kind of shoes should I buy, God? It's just like, ones that fit. <laughs> ones that you can afford. And he's looking going, I want you to make favourable decisions and you should know my nature and my character and that will help you if you need a word from me. Well, you're in trouble. <laughs> so I, I say, if, if my kids call me in 30 years asking, Dad, should I wear a jumper today or not? I feel that they might not have picked up the heart of their father very well and maybe I wasn't a great parent because they're adults. They should know by that time. They should know the, what my disposition towards that would be, my feelings towards them. Stay warm. And this is where I want, this is where I'm going to actually, I love this one. In two weeks' time, I'm going to dig into this one a fair bit more, is how do we make gooder decisions and better decisions? And how do we make, how, how do we become people who don't need a word for every moment of every day? but people who can walk confidently knowing what God has said and who he is. I'm going to love that one. There's a couple of weeks' time for you. But this is this disposition. Look at, look at it. things that might happen that he's not actually happy with. But he'll allow those things to happen for a number of reasons. But Colossians 1.27 says, For God wanted, or willed, that's the word thelema, uh, wanted them to know uh, that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Uh, this is the secret, that Christ lives within you. Uh, this gives you assurance of sharing His glory. Now, this is a great example in the Bible of a godly disposition towards us, His feelings, His attitude, His feeling for us, His want and desire for us is to understand fully the riches and the glory that is within us. But it's not, it's not outside of like a sinful thing for us to never discover it. It's just something that would grieve Him. And it's something that if we knew more about it and knew more, knew more about what the, the things that God actually wants for us, it would grieve us too. It's not wrong for us to do it, but have you noticed that not everything wrong or not everything that, that is right is necessarily good for you? Or not every bad decision you've made is uh, beneficial? It's not, not constantly something. I think we, we get this a little bit confused sometimes. This, again, I come back to saying, well, what kind of car do you want me to buy? Is it that person that I should marry? See, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, you can say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is actually beneficial. And you might be allowed to do things and things might be allowed to happen, but it doesn't mean that that is God's will for your life. This is where we take hands off and say, whatever happens, happens. No, God's saying, no, I, I have preferences. I've got things that I really want for you that, that you can choose to not have. And that's fine. I still love you. But if you choose to have them, all of a sudden your life starts to change more. His disposition towards us should direct us in our search for what God has for us. Go, God, what do you feel for me today? In these decisions that I'm making, I know your nature is for good things, so I'm going to choose good ones. When it's like, well, who should I marry? Should I marry that one or these ones or those ones? Or it's just like just a good one. 
Pick a good one. Not one that's going to be abusive. Not one that, is, that you can't stand and one that has completely different views to you. Just, well, what, what, kind of, what kind of shoes should I buy? Well, good ones. Ones that fit, that you can afford, that's not going to bankrupt you. These are dispositions, feelings that God has. Going, you can choose bad ones, but you're going to just have to be stuck with the decisions you make. And both you and God might be unhappy about it, but it's going to still happen. Does that make sense? Because His will for us is to choose well and wisely, but we can choose badly. And that's okay. We just have to live with it. Here, I just want to wrap up real quickly for you this morning. In the next few weeks, I'm really excited. I hope that you come back through this series because, as I said, I've found that I've had more conversations about this topic than nearly any other topic in the last few years, especially with younger people who are wanting to make good decisions and make the right thing and they don't, they don't want to end up somewhere that they could have avoided when they were younger. So I hope that this month is really beneficial for you in discovering purpose and finding where God wants you to go. But let me have a look just to finish today for you is that we all need to know that God does genuinely have a plan for our life. That He has a purpose for every single one of us. And yes, He 100% has a purpose for your job, your gifts, your career, where you spend most of your time in life, for your future. That's what we see in Jeremiah 29, 11. Hey, it says, For I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That that's what God's will for us. He's got a plan for us in the future. But what is also good news which we can't neglect, is the idea that there is a plan for us today, that there is a purpose and a will for our actions, our thoughts, our words, our intentions today. And that if we can line that up and we can understand that and get to know God and His heart for us today, we will find we get more out of today on our way to the future rather than trying to rush to the next season. This is what Romans 12 verse 2 says, that His will is good, pleasing and perfect for us. And that's not, oh, one day, oh, one day I'll get to experience your good, perfect, pleasing. No, I want you to think about it this way. His will for your decisions today, they're good, perfect and pleasing. The way that you're going to interact with someone, there is a way that God has a key for you, a way that He says, hang on, communication is good, perfect and pleasing this way. That when your actions, the things that you watch, the habits that we have, all of those things, God says, hey, there is a good, pleasing and perfect. You're gonna love it. If you, if you can line yourself up, if you can come back into to the, the, the front yard and not play on the road, you'll find that there is a really good way to live today. There's a good way to be a husband. There's a great way to be a son. There's a really good way to be a parent or whatever it might be. There's good, perfect and pleasing will today in your hurts and in your pain, in your praise and your celebration. There's good, perfect and pleasing will for it. And some of these don't require some secret to be revealed. In fact, most things don't. Where it begins and where it continues to build upon is a personal relationship with Jesus. Is we don't need to some fortune-telling thing looking into the future, but if we just come back and say, God, I want to know you. And I want to start there. I want to know the Word of God. I want to know what you're saying to me today. This all begins just by knowing God, asking Him into your life and beginning this personal relationship with Him. Not outsourcing it, but saying, I want to know you for myself, regardless of my parents, my upbringing, I want to know you. I want to reconnect with you. See, a little while ago, I uh, hurt my back and one disc kind of came out. And man, that is painful. Anyone done that? Just one thing unaligned. 
But all of a sudden, when it was pushed back into alignment, it was amazing how, how quickly the healing came. And I think sometimes we need to just get back into line with what God is asking us, with who He created us to be. And just push things back into line. If we can get the order of things correct, it fixes a thousand problems, as Charles Spurgeon says. As we come back into that, going, God, I want to know you and what you're saying for me today, to pursue all the things that you have for us today, the guidelines, the, the things that you want me to, to become, to think, Lord, help me. Help me change my mind. Help me change my words, my actions, Lord. It's only in you, Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to say, God, I want to know you. It starts there. If you want to know what God's will for you ultimately and foundationally is, it is to know him. And everything comes from that. But if that's you this morning, God, God I want to I want to know you. I want a relationship. I want to connect with you. Or maybe you're someone who's going, I'm a bit out of line lately and it's time to bump it back. It's time to reconnect with you, Jesus, and put it back into order. I want to pray for you. So right now across this room, if you would just close your eyes for a moment just for privacy, to make a personal decision. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you and lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand as an outward decision of an in, or outward action of an inward decision? of saying, God, I want to know you. I don't want to be doing my own thing. Jesus, I want to know you. Thank you so much. Oh, God, I want to come back and reconnect with you. I'm out, I've been out of alignment. Thank you. But I'm just going to bump it back in so I can taste and see everything that you have for me. Awesome. Thanks. That's so good. Come on, church. Would we celebrate with these people this morning as they're making this great decision? I just want to pray for you. And this is, this is an example of a prayer. You can't do it wrong or right. This is an example of a prayer that you can pray at any time, but just from your own heart. And maybe if you're sitting here and you're going, well, look, I'm a Christian, but, but I feel like it's time to reconnect. Why don't you pray as well? Just for yourself or going, God, I'm coming back. I want to come back into alignment. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. Lord, that nothing, no one could stop that, that you were bringing us back to you at whatever the cost. It was always going to happen. Lord, I thank you that you are greater than all things and anything that we face, you're bigger than it. Lord, that your will will have its way. Lord, I thank you as well this morning that, that you've revealed yourself to your kids. Lord, I pray that as they grow closer to you and get to know you more, that you'll reveal more of yourself and more of who you created them to be, that they might find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference as they know you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.